0: Good morning. Joining me today, I have three English professors from Minnesota State University, Mankato. I have Sarah Henderson-Lee, Kelly Moreland, and Kirsty Cole. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Of course, you're all teachers of English, and I remember back to my days in English, nouns, verbs, adjectives, adverbs, etc. learning how to write essays to get through college, et cetera. And you are going to talk about a little bit of how things have changed in the college teaching world and adapting to the needs of students basically educating also who are going to be the teachers of how to teach the students how to write Mm -hmm. so it's teaching teachers to teach students how to write is that (laughs) so kind of accurate there Yeah. yeah so what is new in English other you know it's been a long time since I've had an English class so what is new and what are you doing differently today
1: This is Kelly. Um, So we are taking a few new approaches to teaching, particularly first-year writing at MSU um, English 101. It's called Foundations of Writing and Rhetoric. And we have kind of four new approaches that we're focusing on. So one of them is anti-racist pedagogy, which means that we are uh, privileging people of all backgrounds, particularly through our assessment practices and how we like respond to students writing, how we grade students writing. Um, Another focus is focusing on writing as the subject of study. So traditionally, like in past years, maybe students would expect to come into this class and write about kind of anything, right? Um any subject and get graded on that writing and that was how they were supposed to learn was through like practicing writing. Now we're actively like writing about writing oh. and reading about writing okay. in this class. So it's kind of like at a meta level a little bit. The third prong would be Multimodality, so which means um, composing in multiple modes. So thinking about writing not only in terms of like a traditional written essay like you know, black typeface on a white paper, right. but composing with visuals. Oh. Composing with audio. Um, thinking about how we communicate in the world and how writing plays a role in various kinds of communication. And then the fourth one would be um, a multilingual approach. So thinking not only about traditional I'm putting this in air quotes, academic English or standard American English, but privileging students from all language backgrounds and letting them use their voice and valuing that voice just as equally as any other form of English in the classroom.
0: So how is this different than before? I mean, were people not looking? Was it not equal? Was it not fair? Is that kind of what you're saying? And so how does this, I guess it's kind of abstract this is Sarah
2: particularly in regards to the fourth approach that Kelly mentioned multilingual in the past these writing classes have largely been prescriptive where grammar grammar is part of the teaching of academic standard English and with the multi multilingual approach to writing we're really trying to raise students awareness of how language changes by context so you know writing for one college class may in fact require you to write in academic standard English, but writing outside of the class in your community or writing a a letter for the job market can look drastically different.
3: Okay, and this is Kirstie. In terms of multimodality, it's a similar principle to what Sarah just said. So not only does the language that you use change depending on the context that you're writing in, so job market, your workplace, writing an email, TikTok, right? You're composing something using TikTok. And that's what multiple modes means. So you're not just thinking, again, in terms of black letters on a white page, which does work for some contexts. Some classes need that work. You're also thinking in terms of For the student, what do you do on a daily basis that involves composing? You're using language. So instead of thinking in terms of like you were saying, nouns, verbs, adjectives, we're more interested in thinking about what vehicle are you using to communicate? And how do you, I guess to pursue the metaphor, steer the vehicle well, right? Like how do you communicate well? in the space, in the digital space, in the professional space, or in the academic space well.
0: Well I was thinking, I'm trained as a journalist, that's my background at University of Minnesota, so we learned how to write broadcast stories. (laughs) I was in television news. And one of the things now if you're a journalist, you're a multimedia journalist. You are not just writing for broadcast, you're writing for content on the web, you're writing tweets, you're writing Instagram, you're (laughs) you know, writing probably content for other things as well. So it's really broadened in terms of what I think a lot of people do in their everyday jobs.
2: I I would agree and I I would say at the heart of of these recent changes for us is reframing composition or our writing classes as contextualized communication. Like how does our communication change uh, depending on the audience,
0: depending on the space? I know I do get a lot of students who apply for jobs here at KMSU because we hire students. And I am really saddened by some of the atrocious writing that I see. So, <laughs> that, that, I mean, I'm hoping that we're, I don't know where they're getting lost and not learning how to write. I don't know what has happened. And hopefully that you're doing something to bring it back around because, I mean, their incorrect sense is not capitalizing and things like that. So maybe I'm thinking old school and maybe that doesn't matter.
3: Well, I think that's exactly one of the issues that we're trying to get at in our curriculum. So when you tell people you're an English professor, that's the first thing that you hear. So like if you're in the grocery store and it comes up that you're an English professor, oh, kids can't write. That's right. Right? And so what we're trying to do is help students with our curriculum understand that the thing that you're learning about in this one course, it's just one, 16 weeks, The thing that you're learning about in this one writing course is not only how to build a foundation of writing skills that you can translate to different purposes, right? So if you're writing a letter of application to work at KMSU, that letter looks one way. If you're composing a YouTube video, that video looks very different and you use different language and you use different practices to do that we're also trying to give them a way to articulate moving the knowledge they build in our class to another context a lot of times what happens for students is they'll take one class and they'll be like okay done with that and all the knowledge that they built (laughs) just stays in that class right they're not walking into that class space anymore they're not on the computer with that professor anymore whatever it is it's like okay packaged and done and part of what we wanted to do when we revised our curriculum was to make sure that we were helping students understand that everything you're doing in this class moves to your next class or your internship or your um, the CV that you're writing or your social media presence everything that you're doing here moves into the next space because we know, for example, that the number one thing employers in our state are looking for are good communicators. Absolutely. But part of good communicating is understanding that the thing you are learning about communicating translates to the next space. Um, and so when we say writing as content, that's exactly what we mean. We're making the subject of study writing so that they have an easier time understanding how to move what they're learning from one class to the next or one space to the next.
2: I would. This is Sarah. I would add add to Kiersey that we're also trying to pluralize the concept of language, and by that I mean students enter our class with kind of the, the this anxiety that is built into not having correct grammar or okay. or not being you know fully competent in academic standard English. Um, our course is really designed to help students kind of become language detectives, detectives, if you will, and by that I mean understanding that there is no one language; um, it 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 varies by context, and, and we really are trying to provide students opportunities to explore that concept. Uh, Engage with tools to help them figure out. Okay, what what is the communication need of this particular context, and how do I need to shift my writing and my language
0: to meet those needs? Is this curriculum that you're talking about now? Is this relatively new, or has this been in the making for a while, or or how did it come about? Because I know I was approached, and Kirsty and I chatted about it. The fact that this is kind of a new thing, and I was like, Oh, where did this come from?
1: Yeah, this is Kelly. the the research in our field has been building on um writing as a subject of study since around like maybe 2003 2007 so it's been around in our academic context but people probably wouldn't know about it unless you're a professor of english or Mm -hmm. even writing studies who are reading these journals that we read as part of our jobs so um this curriculum is very new for MSU. This is our first official year rolling this out in English 101 here. And I would say it's been around for almost 20 years in other universities and other spaces. But probably within the last five or so years, it's really been picking up steam like across the country.
2: I would even add, too, that within writing studies, which we're all a part of, we each have kind of uh, our own expertise areas and research has supported any one of these threads for quite a while. But here we are bringing the three together, merging, and trying to come up with um,
3: a, a dynamic approach to how we're teaching writing at yeah. MSU. This is Kirstie. And the thing that's most exciting for us about that is, like Kelly and Sarah said, it's existed in scholarship. So teachers have known about it. But the thing that sets our curriculum part and the thing we're most excited about for the teachers that we work with and for our students, our undergraduate students, is that we built the curriculum together. So all of our areas of expertise got to merge to create something really dynamic that I don't think you see very often at other places. So for example... People who teach sections of writing for non-native English speakers or maybe our international population typically don't work with people who are teaching English 101 to your average, say, Minnesota 18-year-old getting into MSU. We purposely are putting those populations together so that they can learn from each other. And that's something that I think is pretty unique um, for what we do here. So you're teaching these things to undergraduate students, but a big part of what
0: you're doing is sharing your knowledge with people who will be the future English teachers in our schools, for example. So how much of that is out there in our schools now, high school, middle school, whatever? None of it yet, really? It's new. So it's really
2: new. This is Sarah. I will add that we did have a handful of of teachers attend our inaugural professional development day last month. Um, So I'd like to think that some of it is getting out Mm -hmm. into the schools this semester. Um, But we also work closely with the teaching assistants who teach a lot of these undergraduate classes Mm -hmm. for us on campus so they're in the thick of it like this is the only curriculum that they know if they're if they're starting this year so they are teaching the new curriculum they're in contact with Kelly and I every week in the Mm -hmm. workshop course Um, and so I would say that's full steam ahead Yeah.
0: is it harder is it easier I mean a lot of people are afraid to write because it's like you mentioned, sometimes it's just something that doesn't come natural to everybody, so
1: where does it stand? This is Kelly. I think that we have kind kind of an umbrella goal in, in first year writing in English 101 is to build students' confidence in their own writing because in any given semester, anywhere from half to like 75% of my students will say, I'm a terrible writer. I've always gotten bad grades in English. This isn't my thing. I just know I'm not gonna do well in this class. And so a lot of it is working with them to show them that they're way better than they think that they are. And that they absolutely can learn what I'm trying to teach them. Is it challenging? Of course it's challenging for students because they're used to in their K-12 education being taught a certain way, being taught that grammar is the most important thing Um, or you know that the five paragraph essay for example is like a foundation of you know making a good argument or things like that and we're interrupting that and disrupting that with the theory that we're bringing into English 101. But I would say most students get on board and they get really excited by the idea that, you know, for example, there is no such thing as writing in general. So I can't teach you all of the rules that you're ever going to need to know in order to write everything that you need to write in your life, but I can teach you how to adapt to new contexts.
2: Mm-hmm. This is Sarah. I, I would add, specific to our multilingual writer populations, they like the weight that is lifted off of their shoulders when they when they come into these these classes under the new curriculum and realize that they can really pull from their first language literacies um, that we're really we're really showing them that our approach is um, looking at languages as different not deficits um, and, and that's really opened the doors for creativity um,
3: and and just as, as Kelly mentioned, overall competence. And this is Kirstie. In terms of our teaching population, so we work closely with our TAs who teach English 101, but we also have several graduate programs that teach teachers in our region. So we might have community college people that are in our classes. We might have high school people. We've had junior high folks in our classes. And the, the when we say theory, the sort of ideas, the research that, that found the work that we're doing in English 101, we are teaching to our graduate students in those classes. And I would say to follow up on what Sarah says, this curriculum actually does the same thing for them. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with somebody who's an in-service teacher who will be so nervous coming into my classes and they'll say something like, I haven't thought about grammar rules since eighth grade. And I'm like, You don't have to think about that directly now either, right? And they'll say things like, in my little town in rural Minnesota, over half of my classes are first language Spanish speakers. And I'm like, great, this is exciting. And that allows them to get excited about it because they don't have to stick to these prescriptive rules that kind of circulate in the ether like we assume when we say writing it has to be a certain way in a certain language let's use those skills that you have as a teacher or your home languages that you grew up in and you're now a teacher to connect with the students that you're working with
0: correct me what is it is it strunks or shunks the 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 english book that we I remember so well which one strunk and white strunk and white (laughs) that's it that is what I remember having and I just remember it was very prescriptive (laughs) as
1: you mentioned. Is that still being used?
3: This no. is Kelly.
1: <laughs> it's, I love it. It's, too, it's so funny because we t- one of the um, textbooks that we use, which is free and open access online, if anybody wants to look it up, it's called Bad Ideas About Writing. Okay. And one of the chapters is literally called Strunk and right, White Wrote the Standard. So oh we gosh. are we are going against Strunk and White.
0: Well, see, to, to, to think that I'm, I mean, we're talking years and years ago that I was in school that I still remember that, that was just beaten in my brain Mm -hmm. I mean will we still talk about some of the things like a noun a verb and that sort of thing are we just ditching that or or tell me how it all works together then Yeah, there's definitely not
2: space in in our first year writing curriculum to to be um, doing sentence diagramming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, every once in a while, particularly in our multilingual, uh, with our multilingual writers, rather, we'll get an occasional question that's linked to, you know, a specific grammar issue. Um, But they're usually resolved in conversation and and, in talking about why a particular variety of of English is needed for that context, mm-hmm. but there are no grammar quizzes. There are there is no sentence diagramming. Um, well, if, that's if still be hap- happening in junior high or high school, then or or no. Uh,
3: sadly, to some extent, I would say yes. I think oh. it depends. Okay. I think um, it depends on the teacher. Okay, in a lot of cases, and how recently they've been. Taking their own classes, I think that, and in in state standards, I mean mm-hmm. there are
2: still some state standards in K twelve curriculum um, that get at uh, very prescriptive um, l- language. Is, is that
0: something you see your role as educating? Maybe that the state standards get changed and maybe don't focus so much on that prescriptive
3: thing. This is Kirstie. I think, I think what we would say in response to that is that. It always behooves folks at state and federal levels to work with people who are actively teaching. Listening to the teachers teaching is going to get them a lot more information a lot more quickly than just sitting around at a table themselves or hiring a consultant or something like that. So um, I think teachers would jump, I know for the three of us, we would jump at the chance to be involved in those conversations. Um, But it is, of course, you know, up to the folks at the state level to make that choice. I do think that, um, you know, we have colleagues in the School of
2: Education, for example, who work closely with state officials on 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 such, you know, standards. Um, And and we we have had conversations with them about kind of moving in this direction in terms of language teaching, particularly writing. Mm -hmm. Um, so there has there have been conversations. Um, I don't know if there have been any actual changes.
0: Well, you mentioned that it's new. So, I mean, I'm assuming it's new for you. It's just starting to get out there,
3: even though there's some a few other schools doing it as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is Kirstie. One of you know, the interesting thing and it kind of, I think, circles back to this whole idea. So like the idea of teaching grammar, a lot of folks probably listening to this, might feel some hesitation or frustration or even anger hearing us talk about not teaching grammar. Right. But research has shown really interesting data on why focusing solely on grammar doesn't actually work. So the easiest way for me to put this is, is this way. If you teach, say, sentence diagramming in a writing course, What you're going to come out with are students who know what a noun is, know what a verb is, know what an adverb is, an adjective. You could play ad libs then. You could play (laughs) ad libs very well. You're going to come out with folks who who know the parts of speech really well and potentially know the order that they go in in one sentence. Sure. But what you're not going to come out with are people who can write well. And the reason is, if you're faced with a whole paper or a whole script or a whole multimedia piece in journalism, instead of focusing on the content of what you're writing about, all you're going to be thinking about is, is the adverb in the right place? Is the verb in the right place? And what that tends to do is actually halt your ability to communicate. So what we're more interested in are these students and these teachers communicating and then thinking about what do I need to do to make this readable or viewable or understandable for the people I'm trying to talk to, right? So write first and then think about the editing and the polishing and the genre and all of those different aspects. Because if you think about grammar first, you might not be able to get it out on the page at all. That is really different
0: than what I think of as English 101. And like Mm -hmm. I said, it's been a long time since I've been in school so uh, it it is very different one of the things you talked about one of the pegs was anti-racist pedagogy what exactly is that about and you know we hear so much about racism in the the news etc so i'm wondering where that piece falls in this whole scenario
1: yeah this is kelly so anti-racist pedagogy is um thinking about how to teach to every student and prioritize every single student's language background So we want to, at the very surface level, like we want to make sure that um, the readings, for example, that students are encountering in their English 101 class represent a variety of voices. If we go back to like Strunk and White, for example, and them, you know, right. I love that example because the idea that Strunk and White got to decide who or or what language looks like, what standard American English is supposed to look and sound like for every single person is doing such a disservice to especially people of color who don't speak that way. We just had this conversation in my English 101 class last week where, you know, I asked my students... You know, if you think about like varieties of English and different kinds of English that you might speak at home versus how you speak and write in school, you know, do you get a sense that there's one that has more rules than the other? And the answer was a resounding, well, yeah, of course, like academic standard English has more rules. And, you know, Strunk and White would have us believe that, but it's absolutely not true. All varieties of English have rules and they have You know, the rules are different, but no one variety has more or less, right? More or fewer rules. And yet, because the standards, particularly in K-12, say that every student should be learning how to write in this particular way, we're, we're brought up to believe that standard American English has more rules. So we do a lot of kind of dissecting and having conversations about why... You know, AAVE, African-American Vernacular English, is just as rule-based as standard American English. And, you know, in my class, it is 100% good and right to write in that way if that's your language background. Um, But students haven't often had that opportunity to do that um, in their education up until now. One thing Kirsty mentioned
0: to me, we chatted earlier, was about some of the things in literature that we are asked to read in our English classes. And I remember having to re- read Shakespeare, and there's certain prescribed books. And you gave the example of everybody has been through the years has to read To Kill a Mockingbird, mm-hmm. for example. And you said that isn't necessarily the standard what we have to have anymore. And
3: talk a little bit about that. Well, it, it, it's playing off of the same idea. So the idea is whose voice is getting represented as, in in the case of To Kill a Mockingbird, the sort of American experience, right? In the same way that standard written English gets sort of packaged as the thing everybody uses all the time, which is absolutely not true, certain books get packaged as the book that represents an American experience. And, you know, maybe it does for some people, but the, the key there is it doesn't for everybody, right? And so it's really about flexibility and diversity in our way that we're understanding how we're communicating in this context, the American experience. And so a lot of my uh, students who are teachers are thinking well, what books would appeal to my students right now, right? (laughs) And how do I best choose those, the things that they might resonate with? Um, And so there's all sorts of contemporary fiction, multi-award-winning fiction, in fact, more award-winning even than To Kill a Mockingbird, (laughs) Um, that, that students resonate with because it speaks to their experience, even in such small ways as just like, the characters are using their smartphones, right? Like it speaks to them on their daily experience, but it also might speak to them in terms of what they're seeing on the news, what their friends are experiencing in their communities, and, and what they themselves have been experiencing in their communities. And so I think, you know, sort of across our curricula, what we're trying to do is make sure that our students understand that they're Backgrounds, be they, you know, native domestic students or not, wherever they're coming from to MSU, are a valuable part of their education experience. In addition to the
0: English classes, the way you're talking about the changes, something else you are looking at is you are in the early planning stages of community writing center. And so, one of the things I have in a note here that I was given, it says, that you would love to work with a series of campus and community partners to create a space available for everyone. So that's kind of an interesting concept. So what are you thinking in terms of this community writing center and who is it for and how would it look? Maybe it's too early to say even.
1: This is Kelly. Yeah, we are in the very, very beginning stages of just kind of thinking about this, but wouldn't it be so cool to have a place in Mankato where anybody in the community can come and talk about writing workshop something that they're working on get feedback from people other people in the community um, not just from you know english professors like us but um, involving students undergraduate and graduate students and community partners to to talk about and workshop real-life writing that is happening in our community
2: I would add to that. This is Sarah. A space that is diverse in its representation of writers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a community space where our multilingual writers, for example, can come and see other multilingual writers. Oftentimes they only see that in sections that are reserved just for multilingual writers, not in their other classes across campus.
0: Well, what you guys are doing is amazing. I'm just so glad we talked about this. I have learned so much. Is there anything I have missed that you want to make sure people know about today?
2: This is Sarah. I, I think what we, what we want people to know is how excited and energized we are by this and the initial feedback that we're getting from both our students and our uh, pre and in-service teachers is really something to, to take note of.
0: Do you look at this as a model or other people looking at this as a model for maybe replicating it
3: elsewhere? I think that would be great. I think there are other people that are working in similar ways. One of our goals as as sort of colleagues and friends, this is Kirsty, by the way, has been to write about what we're doing. So we've already written one chapter and that's going to be published for other educators to sort of, you know, read about what we're doing and why we think it's fun and it is. It's fun, you know, and important. Sarah and I and Kelly are also in the very beginning stages of collaborating on a book also geared towards educators. I think one thing I would say, though, is like, if there are community members who are interested in learning more about this, we're happy to talk to you. You know, like we don't just need to have conversations amongst ourselves. And I think a a fun and exciting part of the possible, well, hopefully, you know, soon future writing center for the community is that that's a space where those conversations can happen too, right? Just chat about what writing looks like. If someone's interested, how can they get in contact with you, ladies? We have a faculty page in the English department that has all of our email addresses so on it. So MNSU,
0: go to the English and then check faculty. out faculty. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you all. We've been chatting with Christy Cole, Kelly Moreland, and Sarah Henderson-Lee. English professors here at Minnesota State about English and and composition workshop and learning in new ways. Thank you so much. You've been very enlightening. I appreciate your time. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. Bye bye.